the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website and your host for the See at the Game podcast. Welcome back to our See at the Game NIL interview series. To kick off the second half of the campaign, we have a special guest. If you aren't familiar with the name Kendall Weta, now is the time to get acquainted. There have been only four players on the CU women's basketball team to be named to the Pac-12 All-Freshman team, and only four players to have been named to the first-team All-Pac-12 defensive team, and no player from any team in the Pac-12 has been named to both of these teams in the same year in over a decade. Welcome to Kendall's 2021-2022 season. Kendall was ranked second in the Pac-12 with 57 steals during the regular season, a total that ranked her 11th among all freshmen in the nation. Weta was also second on the CU team in assists with 2.9 per game. So, who is Kendall? And what was it like growing up as a CU legacy, with her mother being a member of the 1994-95 team, which went 30-3 and and climbed as high as number two in the nation? What was it like being a part of CU's first NCAA tournament team since 2013? And, if asked to prioritize, which was her favorite non-conference effort? The first double-digit scoring game of her CU career? With 12 points after going 6-for-6 in a win over Texas Southern? Was it a 9-assist game in the win over Samford? Or a 5-steal game in a win over Wisconsin. Let's find out. Okay, and we're back. And we're with Kendall Weta, freshman phenom for the University of Colorado women's basketball team. How are you doing so far today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, excited to be on the podcast. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Just a brief introduction to you so that people know who we're talking to. This is an individual that was named to the All-Pac-12 freshman team, the All-Pac-12 defensive team, only the fourth buff ever to be on the All-Freshman team, only the fourth buff ever to make the All-Defensive first team, and the first Pac-12 player to get on both of those teams in over a decade. So uh, a star in the making, hard to... Hard to improve on that, but uh, had a pretty good freshman year overall. Yeah, it was definitely a good year for sure. But like you said, definitely some improvements <laughs> need to be made. Okay, well, let's start since uh, 
going back in time for you, it doesn't go back very far since you just finished your, your freshman year. You are a, a CU legacy, so I'm going to brag on your mom a little bit. Um, the former Val Johnson, she was part of Sealberry's 94-95 team, yep. which for Buff fans, that was the team that went 30-3, and three, uh, had a number two national ranking, won the Big 8 regular season, won the Big 8 tournament, had a 25-game winning streak, and made it all the way to the Elite 8 in the NCAA tournament. So uh, not too much to live up to there uh, <laughs> in terms of following your, your mother into uh, the world of Colorado basketball. Mm-hmm. Does she talk much about uh, her time so, at Colorado? <laughs> it's funny because pretty much anybody that talks to me who knows a history of CU women's basketball always brings up my mom. And whenever my mom is confronted about that, she'd always say, well, I never really played. Like she's always got her defense because she actually hurt her knee. And so she actually didn't really play on that team. Like, of course she was recruited by them, but um, yeah, she tore ACL and so had to sit out for most of that season. So she talks about it sometimes, but um, she doesn't, she gives the credit to the, the girls that actually played. Okay. Well, you seem really, you can't get away from it. Uh, Shelly Sheets was the All-American on that team. And now she's the uh, radio broadcaster yes, for, yeah. the, for the team. So uh, you have a pretty good relationship. Did you know her before? Did your mom ever introduce you to her I, or other team members? Yeah, I I had not met Shelly before coming to see you. My mom and then my grandpa, my mom's dad, they bo- both knew Shelly, um, obviously through CU basketball. But I was introduced to her in the summer at one practice And I feel like we have a great relationship. She's been someone that I've really looked up to um, being a freshman and coming in as a point guard and just handling all the emotional ups and downs and just getting adjusted to college basketball. But yeah, it's been awesome having her come on all of our road trips and trying to live up to what a great player and person that she is. Great. Well, let's start about, let's talk a little bit about you coming to see you. Um, your family was in Colorado Springs, I understand, and then you moved up to Castle Rock so you could go to Valor Christian, mm-hmm. one of the premier high school programs in the state of Colorado. Were you tall in junior high? Was it always your destiny to play basketball, or is it something that you grew into as you were growing up? Yeah, my dad is, I think, six three, six four. so I was always way taller than all the kids in my class in elementary, and then in uh, middle school, I started, you know, kind of leveling out a little bit more. But yeah, I definitely started playing at a very young age. But I don't think it was just because of my height. It just, you know, kind of ran in the family. And that was just what I was supposed to do was play basketball. Okay. Well, I can attest to not being just high because I'm 6'4". And my job was pretty much stand on the one side of the basket and hope that someone really? <laughs> occasionally <laughs> fell into my hands. That was pretty much yeah. the extent of my... Uh, basketball prowess so mm-hmm. yeah it's something more than just height but uh yes, for sure so you were involved also in an AAU program when did you start doing that how early did you start playing outside of middle school high school junior high yeah um so I I played club I started playing basketball in maybe third grade um maybe even second but I played in club teams all throughout elementary and then middle school 
school. And the AAU team that I played for is called Colorado Premier, and Keith Van Horn runs that entire program. He went to Utah and then played in the NBA. But I kind of have an interesting high school story because I never really played for that team. I was injured my freshman and sophomore years of high school. ACLs run in our family. Oh, wow. Uh, Yes. So that's what my mom was out with when she, her first year at CU. But I I joined the club, tore my ACL, didn't play that season, was going to play the next season, tore my ACL again, didn't play that season. So I was just kind of around the team. And then my junior year, I played in a few games, but we decided that it would probably be better to not play just in case uh-huh. um, because I had already committed to see you by that time. But yeah, it's a great program and great coaches. Okay. So you didn't actually didn't play much AAU or you didn't play much at, at uh, Valor Christian. I didn't play much AAU. Okay. Valor, I didn't get to play my freshman or sophomore year. And then I got to play my full junior and senior year. Okay, and which was the the COVID season? Which was the the shortened season? That's your junior. That was the my senior year. Your senior year. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And state champions. Yes. Yeah. So it turned out for the best, but yeah, it was definitely weird playing in a high school season with COVID happening. Okay. Was it always predestined that you were going to go to the University of Colorado? You were were you recruited by other programs? I was, yeah. So because I didn't play club basketball my freshman or sophomore years, uh, that's kind of the prime time to get recruited. And so my eighth grade year, I wasn't playing for Colorado Premier, but I was playing for a different club at that time, but on a high school team. And so that's actually where I got all my offers from. That's when CU uh, first saw me and recruited me. But I didn't, I didn't know that I always wanted to go to CU. Obviously, my mom went there, so it was always on the table. But I took a visit out to Kentucky. I took a visit out to Utah and then I visited CU. This was all my freshman year of high school. school. And after I tore my second ACL my sophomore year, I don't know what happened. I just like had a feeling. I was like, I want to stay in Colorado. This is where I'm going to be. This is where I want to be for the next four years. Wow. Well, I mean, you certainly had every reason to be, you know, recruited. You were, I think ESPN has the number 16 point guard in the country. So what was it like to go on official visits? I mean, we hear a lot, we being a lot of Buff fans, we know more about rivals and college football and because that recruiting stuff is all over the internet and there's lots of video video at huddle.com and everything like that. How is recruiting at the women's basketball level compared to what we're seeing in terms of football and men's basketball? Yeah, I would say it's pretty similar just in the way that I mean, I I guess I don't completely know because I'm not a male athlete in, you know, basketball or football, but they definitely put in a lot of time and effort to build relationships with you and try and convince you to come to their program and telling you what their program has to offer compared to other schools But I never got to go on an official visit. I only went on unofficials. So I never really got to experience that part of it. But the unofficials, they definitely do. They treat you very well and they're they're very fun to go on. Okay. So your mom pretty excited when you did commit to the University of Colorado? Was that, uh, did she not not have any concern either way? 
or no, she definitely was excited for sure. She loves Colorado. And I think even more so than the basketball piece of it was just that I'd be staying home. I'm a big family person and I love to see my family all the time. And so the fact that they can drive an hour and see me anytime they want, they love that. I don't know if I necessarily love that. (laughs) They love that. Yeah. I'm up to the point where I have grandkids and I tell them, if you can go home and do laundry over the weekend, then you're too close to home. Okay. Well, I would, I would beg to differ <laughs> because that's, the, I love to go home and do my laundry, the dorm laundry. That's, that's not where, where I want to be doing. <laughs> okay. Well, you were, uh, according to your head coach, Jared Payne, you know, hands down one of the best players in the state. That was one of her quotes when you recruited and you were quoted as saying that you were, you know, born and raised in Colorado and want to help make CU a top program again. Yeah. Now, Everyone's familiar, you know, this past year was a successful season, obviously going to the NCAA tournament, but coming off of a, a, a good year, not a great year, the previous year for the University of Colorado, you know, 12 and 11, 8 and 8 in Pac-12 play, did make it to the quarterfinals of the WNIT, but there was no guarantee that uh, this team was going to do great things. What was your feeling coming in as a freshman? Did you look and say, okay, I've got all sorts of seniors on this team that uh, lots of talented players on this team, lots of potential all pack 12 players on this team. Were you expecting to see a lot of time as a, as a true freshman, or are you thinking that maybe I'm just going to be a role player and work my way into the lineup? Yeah, definitely. We, we did have a lot of leadership on the team between Maya and peanut and Sila and even Jalen, who's going to be a senior next year. Um, they all had been in the program a lot longer. And so they knew what we were striving for and to, you know, uh, make it to the NCAA tournament this year, which we did, which was awesome. Um, But as far as playing time, I didn't really have any expectations coming into college. I've, I've always just said that I'm going to go in and work as hard as I possibly can. And, you know, if that's, enough, then great. And if not, then I'm just going to keep working harder. And so I know that every day I step on the court in practice or in a game or whatever it is, I'm just going to give a hundred percent. And it turned out that that was what they were looking for this year. And so I was very happy that I got to play as much as I did. Yeah. You certainly uh, got a lot of playing time, right? Pretty much from the, from the get-go, but yeah, you're talking about Amaya Hollingshead, you know, it was all pack 12 senior at peanuts junior guard, you talk about Jalen, you know, being a junior guard, another senior guard um, in Finau. So, yeah, there is a lot of, and uh, sophomore Frida, you know, Foreman, who shoots a lot of three-pointers. But, you know, so there's lots of warm bodies already there, you know, getting playing time. But uh, even in the opener, you were in the, on the court for 17 minutes against Oklahoma State. Do you remember your first game wearing a Colorado uniform, what was oh, like? Yeah. You, you had three steals in your very first game. What was it like? Yeah. Uh, getting oh, I, was, I was nervous as all get out. <laughs> it's so crazy. Finally, after you've been watching uh, this team play for the past four years, since I committed my sophomore year to finally be wearing that Jersey and step on the court in a Colorado uniform and be, you know, playing in front of thousands of people in a giant stadium with, super bright lights and it's honestly super overwhelming at first. Um, but I, I settled in pretty quickly and yeah, it was something that I'll never forget. Well, you uh, got off to a fast start. Well, the team got off to a fast start 13 and Um There were a group of three games and ask you, which was more important to you. They had the Sanford game 
where you had nine assists. Mm-hmm. You had the uh, Texas Southern game where you had 12 points. You're six for six from the field. And then the Wisconsin game where you had five steals. So which of those three games um, stands out most to you? Is it getting, you know, actually double figures, getting into the double figures and points, having nine assists in a game or having five steals in a game? All that's pretty, pretty good accomplishments all by themselves. What stood out to you? I'm going to go with the Samford game, 100%. I've always been a, a facilitator as a point guard and a pass first person. And that's something I definitely pride myself in, even though I know I probably need to figure out how to score a little bit more and not overpass all the time. Um, but definitely the Samford game assists are that that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I won't want to beg to differ, but it seems like steals are kind of your thing. Yeah. I, I would also, also argue for that too. Definitely. I, okay. I'll say both of those. We'll oh. go with both of those games. <laughs> okay. Now, being, you know, like you see, we talked about in 6'4", you know, played some basketball, not at your level, but having been around the game, you can teach stamina, you can get stronger, you can practice your free throws, but steals, that's kind of a, an instinct thing. You know, you can't really practice stealing the ball. What is it about your game? How did you become such a good defensive player? What uh, makes you so good at stealing the ball? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier, just my effort that I'll always give hundred percent effort, but I'm also very competitive. And so I think both of those things kind of work together to play into, I know that defense is something you can really control more than offense and the kind of effort and the kind of tenacity that you bring on the defensive end. And so that's something that ever since I started playing basketball, I've just really enjoyed was playing defense. Okay. Well, the team. You know, as a whole got off to a 13-0 start, ranked nationally. So what was it like for a team that had won 12 games in all of, you know, the previous season to have a 13-0 start and be nationally ranked? What, uh, how was it like uh, walking around campus and going to class and, uh, you know, just going into the event center and the champion center and uh, being an undefeated team? Oh yeah, we we felt good. <laughs> we felt really good. We were definitely on cloud nine there throughout that stretch. But I think that it was really cool because that stretch really just gave us the confidence that I think we needed to see that we were a very talented team and that when we were firing on all cylinders, we could do pretty much anything that we wanted. And that stretch right there, I think is honestly what got us through the ups and downs that you know, any team is going to experience throughout a season and just to be able to keep pushing through that and then end the season strong. Yeah. Well, the first loss um, was against number two, Stanford. The game was tied at the end of the third quarter. Certainly had it, you know, the opportunity was there to upset the number two team in the country, but it ended up being a loss. And then, you know, like you said, there's some ups and downs and the next, what, uh, six out of less next seven games were losses. Is there anything in particular? Just was it getting into the meat of the Pac-12 season, playing a lot of ranked teams, uh, travel fatigue because you had some games that were canceled, postponed, moved around? How was it going from a team that you know was undefeated to a team that uh, was having trouble win, you know, finding ways to win? Yeah, it was it was definitely very hard. And throughout that stretch, the as you said, the Stanford game started that losing stretch, and that was a tough game because I know that we all really wanted that win. But I mean, ups and downs are just things that you're going to have to deal with as any college program. But 
we had lots of talks with each other, with the coaches, just to figure out, you know, what was going wrong. And ultimately there were games in that stretch that we definitely should have won that we were losing, but just, you know, continuing to have positive attitudes and just know that like, we're going to have to be the ones to bring ourselves out of this stretch. And we eventually did that after a few more losses. Few more losses. I think we were better for it for sure. Yeah. And that helped lead to the, you know, the strong finish. Um, yeah. Won eight of the last 10 games with the only two losses again, being to Stanford, which, you know, losing to Stanford is never a bad thing. A final four team again this year, not defending national champion. Mm-hmm. Um Two games I wanted to ask you about, uh, the double overtime win over Oregon and then the win in the Pac-12 tournament over number 14, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, first, going back to the the Oregon game, what is your memory of uh, you know defeating the Ducks in double overtime? How, how much fun was that to pull out yeah. that victory? That one was awesome because in our losing stretch, there were many games where we had gone to either single or double overtime and then lost. And so to finally be able to go into a double overtime and pull out the win, it was like, oh my gosh, yes, thank you. Thank you. So it was, it was really awesome. And the fact that it was Oregon too, I think, you know, just gave us even more confidence and continued to show us that we were a very strong team. Okay. And then the Arizona game that was in the uh, Pac-12 tournament, uh, quarterfinals, again, Arizona was ranked number 14 in the country. You're your stat line, 30 minutes, eight rebounds, six points, four assists, three steals. Had to be pretty pleased with uh, with that effort and taking out a, a, a ranked team in the quarterfinals of the Pac-12 tournament. What do you remember yeah. about that game? Yeah, that was that was a fun game, too, because like you said, Arizona is a great team. That, that game came down to the wire, too, so it was nice to pull that one off. Um, but especially in the Pac-12 tournament, right before the NCAA tournament getting started, Again, just giving us that confidence and showing us that we can do anything that we set our minds to. Okay. So at this point, you know, most of the bracketologists had see you firmly in the bracket. How much attention did you or how much did attention you and your teammates pay to the different seedings, the different projections? Or you're just like, well, we've got to play another game. We've got to win the next game. Don't worry about what the future might hold in terms of the NCAA tournament. Or is it like, hey, this is pretty cool. We're projected as an eight seed, seven seed, nine seed. You know, who we're going to play, where we're going to go. Was that a topic of conversation or was it forbidden to talk about the the NCAA tournament? Yeah, our coaches are very big on focusing on the next thing and not getting too ahead of ourselves. That's something that they preach to us very often, which is super important. Just focusing on the next game. So at that point, we weren't really too focused on that. We were just thinking, okay, we're playing Sanford next. Let's get this win. Uh, but after the Pac-12 tournament was over, we were definitely, you know, very excited. And yeah, just on cloud nine. Okay. So selection Sunday, you got the cameras on you. It's kind of surreal to have people watching you watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was it like to... Uh, be a part of that watching the selection show and uh, seeing University of Colorado be uh, named as a number seven seed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you said, super weird. We had all these cameras and they threw this big party for us and we were just sitting down and it was, it was kind of like, okay, so what are we supposed to do? (laughs) But it was, it was really neat. I I think our name got called on the seatings way earlier than any of us thought. And so we all kind of paused for a moment 
And they're like, oh my gosh, yay. And then we all got up and yeah, just a surreal moment, something that I'll never forget. Yeah. Seemed, yeah, like kind of the Academy Awards where everybody has yeah. to <laughs> yeah, kind of. waiting for the reaction. It's like, okay, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. And then <laughs> yeah. eight seconds and then later, it's over. now what do we do? Right. right. So you got shipped off to Iowa, um, playing Creighton from, well, Nebraska, you know, nearby Nebraska. Not much time to prepare for a team that you don't know much about. How far was the elation between getting selected and the reality of, oh, we got a game we got to prepare for, and obviously it's going to be a quality opponent? Yeah, it was super quick. We celebrated that night, and then I remember getting texts in our team group chat, like, okay, Creighton, Creighton does this, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're going to need to do this offensively, this defensively. And then the very next day going into practice, everyone was very dialed in, just ready to scout Creighton and prepare ourselves for the game. Okay. Well, and the, the game itself got off to a good start. I think it was like 11 to 2. Yes. <laughs> to start with, and it just slowly slipped away. What do you, what did you take from, you know, I, I remember I did an interview with Evan Batty. He talked about playing in the NCAA tournaments. It's one thing to go to the Pac-12 tournament. You know, it's one thing to go to Poly Pavilion and play, you know, at UCLA's home court, things like that. How is it different actually being in the big dance and being uh, a part of the big uh, of the March Madness? Yeah. There, I mean, there's so much hype around it. And I think it's super easy to get caught up in all of that. But I think our team, we really just try to stay level headed and just remember that this is just another basketball game and that we had to go into it with this the same way that we went into a game, a home game or a game, you know, at Arizona State or Oregon or wherever it was. Um, but yeah, just staying level-headed in that. And ultimately we didn't get the win, but I thought, I thought it was a good, a good game-ish <laughs> for the season. Did it mean anything to you guys that Creighton went on to upset number two Iowa on their home court and then upset number three Iowa State, made it all to the all the way to the Elite Eight? Did that give you some consolation saying that um, maybe Creighton was an underseeded team and they were a, a quality yeah. team that we lost to. Yeah. I mean, Creighton was a great team. They moved extraordinarily well off the ball um, and just played really good team basketball, um, which, you know, is why they were able to upset both the number two and a number three team. Uh, but I definitely would still say that we should have won that game. <laughs> so what was it like coming back now? You know, we talked about a lot of seniors, uh, Maya Peanut, Finau, I uh, looked up, they, you know, they started every game, 270 career starts, I think is what they said in the paper, that uh, that's a lot to lose off of a team. So a lot of the core has left the team. I think there's, you've got four freshmen coming in and there's mm -hmm. still some slots available for, you know, transfers. All of a sudden now you're a sophomore and you're one of the leaders of the team. Um, what's the transition being like for you knowing that going from, hey, I can be a role player, I'm going to fit in wherever I can, I'm going to work hard, keep my nose down and just do what I'm asked to do, to now being a position where you're the one that knows where the UMC is, you know, you're yeah. the one that knows you know, where the best pizza is and, you know, how to get your laundry done someplace other than at the, yeah. in the dorms. How strange is it for you to shift in such a short period of time from being a freshman that 
looks up to other people to being a sophomore that's going to be a leader on the team going forward. Yeah, I am honestly not too worried about it. All throughout high school, I took on a you know big role of leadership in on my high school team. Um, so I definitely know what it, it's like to be in that kind of a role and have to you know really uh, set examples for the people that are younger than you and that are starting to look up to you. So I'm definitely ready to walk into that role. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the you know we didn't talk about the coaching staff. You know, what it was like to be recruited, um, what your parents thought of, you know, J.R. Payne and the coaching staff and stuff like that. How comfortable, because you've been around, like you said, Keith Van Horn, who was a number, you know, first round NBA draft pick. You know, your parents are athletic. You've been around the sport, you know, since, you know, you're in elementary school. Um, what was it about the coaching staff that uh, made you feel comfortable and think that this is a team that can do better than the uh, the WNIT and that you can take it back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they, they were a big part of my decision. I, I actually never really got to be around the team. So I was really deciding on the coaches and the campus. And that was honestly about it. And that I think just goes to show how big of an impact they had on my decision because they really are just tremendous people. And I think in the world of basketball, it's, easy for coaches to get super focused on just the basketball aspect and not really care about who you are as a person. But this co- coaching staff really does care about the full student athlete, not just the basketball part of it. And I've absolutely loved playing for JR, Coach T, Shan, Alex, all of them. They're just absolutely phenomenal. And I know both my parents absolutely love all of them too. And we're just all happy that I'm at Colorado. Oh, good. So uh, as mentioned, there are four new members from the class of 2022. You didn't get to do the official visit thing. You didn't get to do the on-campus thing. Um, I, you're, like you say, you're an hour away driving. At least you were familiar with Boulder in that sense. But what is it like being on the other end in terms of helping to recruit uh, mm-hmm. players to come to the University of Colorado? What, uh, what are you telling them? What are you telling recruits about uh, how great it is to be in Boulder? Yeah, I'm just I'm just telling them, you know, my experience and honestly, the truth, this is one of the programs that you don't have to lie about because it really is just so incredible and anyone would be lucky to be here. And so I'm really excited for the four of them to come. And I think they're going to be great additions to our program, especially losing, you know, those big three players, Maya, Pina and Sila. Um, And I think that they're going to fit in great with the culture and just what this team is really trying to to set for, you know, incoming incoming players and the future seasons. Okay. So what's your, I mean, obviously there's team goals in terms of going forward, get making it back to the NCAA tournament, making some noise, doing uh, some things in the PAC 12 tournament, finding a way to beat Stanford, um, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. There's some team goals in there. What's a, what sort of personal goals? You're already second in the team in assists. You're already nationally ranked in steals getting all these accolades, all Pac-12 team, all two back, all Pac-12 teams as a freshman. What uh, what are you going to be working on? What are your personal goals for getting ready for, for next season and the next three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that most of my goals are related to offense, for sure. I... I definitely need to start working on my shooting a little bit more and become more of a scoring threat, especially losing Maya, who's our leading scorer, and then both Pina and Sila, who contribute a significant amount of points every game. Um, But yeah, just being more of an offensive threat, and then I think that'll open it up for me to be able to facilitate easier. And um, yeah, that's probably what the team is going to need. 
Okay. And then another 20, 25 years or so, then you can have uh, the next generation. You can follow your mom's footsteps <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can have, uh, you know, your daughter play for the University of Colorado and continue on with the, the legacy of doing well at the university and bringing home more championships and uh, more national rankings and more accolades. I think, you know, you won a lot of fans this year and uh, the success of the team is going to carry over in the future. And we wish you all the best and all the success. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. This episode and this series of interviews would not have been possible without your kind contributions to the See You at the Game NIL campaign. So thanks to all of you for supporting your CU student-athletes. The interviews are going well, and I look forward to meeting and interviewing more CU student-athletes in the coming days. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming interviews. As you hopefully know by now, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the NIL podcast interviews can be listened to at the See You at the Game website. And so, until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game.